Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. A desire to bring the truth to the forefront and a refusal to back down. The Roy Green Show continues. Father's Day, happy Dad's Day to all the fathers. Um, this hour, I am going to read to you the three tweets that I posted yesterday during the show that have just been repeated time and time and time again. And just tons of emails because a lot of folks don't get by with 240 characters. That's what it is now, right? 240? Yeah. Um, and we'll take your calls. It has to do with the carbon tax. So there's tremendous interest in this issue. Mr. Trudeau and Ms. McKenna are of the view, oh, and uh, GM Butts, too, of the view that Doug Ford absolutely blew it and is blowing it with his opposition to the carbon tax. Jerry Butts, the Prime Minister's right-hand man or left-hand man or whatever he is uh, tweeted something about the federal government is going to stand by the people of Ontario who are being cheated by the Ford government out of their right to participate in climate protection, stuff like that. And it was a wonderful response, and I, uh, I was just looking for it now, and I can't find it, but there was a... There was a great response on Twitter, which essentially was, who elected you to anything? Who elected you to anything? So just shut up. And so I tweeted, strike three, or fastball straight down the middle, strike three, GM butts, you're out. But um, he likes to be, uh, he likes to be heard from. But he also likes to block people on his Twitter account. GM butts. The other day, I read a column. I was going through some online sites, and uh, I found this new site that interested me. It's called Right Outlook, rightoutlook.org. And they'd followed me on Twitter, and so I followed them because it was, it was interesting. And I found this column about political correctness. So I started reading, and I kept on reading and kept on reading, and I thought, this is great. This is really bang on. This is this hits the mark. And I fully expected, and I specifically went back to see who'd written it, because I fully expected that I would find a very well-known, very famous writer, a very significantly important person who understood the how society uh, should work, and somebody I would probably have had a great deal of respect for for a long time, 
And instead I found a name I, I'd never seen before. And the name was Lily Coleman. So I got in touch with uh, writeoutlook.org. I s- sent them a, a tweet and asked if they could put me in touch with Lily. And, um, and she got back to me. And I find out she's a university student, a college student in, uh, in the United States at Western Carolina University. She's 19 years of age. And Lily, thank you for coming on the show. And if I recall correctly in our email exchange, this is your first attempt at a column. Yes, it is. Well, it's just wonderful, and thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So what was, before I ask you to read, um, I, I want to ask you to read it all, but we've asked you to maybe to edit it down a little bit. Um, mm. What was the motivation? Why did you decide to write about political correctness? So I really feel like me being a university student, first of all, um, I kind of see the effects of this in uh, modern academia today, how students and, and professors kind of are suppressed and how knowledge in general um, isn't able to be let out to everybody else. The marketplace of ideas is basically being you know, suppressed, and which I think is very detrimental because we're all losing um, the opportunities to hear these uh, ideas, whether they're opposing or for us. So I think that's what pretty much motivated me to write this, because I've always been interested in, in the um, subject of freedom of expression, because I feel like it is the fundamental uh, right, and so I felt like I should address this. Well, good for you, because it is our fundamental right, and it's, what, <laughs> it's a cornerstone of our of our democratic societies. Right. Uh, we're, we're allowed to do this. Now, let me ask you, how many of uh, your peers at the university are supportive of what you've done? Um, they haven't really um, known a whole bunch about this, you know. This was actually not as a column. This was for an English paper, and it was for a persuasive essay. So my teacher, she was very liberal with it, and she um, uh, was very supportive, even though you know, we didn't exactly align with opinions, but I got a good response from her. Well, that's good. So somebody who does not necessarily agree with the, with, with the theme of what you wrote still mm-hmm. accepted it as being a valuable contribution, and that's good. We don't always hear that about university professors. Would you share with us, please, some of your column? Right. Okay, so um, I start out by saying, undoubtedly, every one of us as humans has experienced barriers to our communication, um, such Uh, Barriers could be a disability or social detriment. But in other cases, sometimes it's political correctness. Um, So political correctness today has affected our language directly because it kind of filters our language through this sieve of political correctness before being encoded to the rest of society. Unfortunately, in the process of eliminating from our language those ideas or views which do not meet the criteria of political correctness, vital facts and knowledge are lost. Um, the repercussions of this weeding out of knowledge are reflected in our educations, our, our education, schools, and literature. Um, so not only have the students in our educational institutions been suppressed by this, but also, like I said, the professors. Um, another effect of political correctness is to, our, to ourselves in society, is to our language directly. Political correctness affects our thoughts and whether we choose to communicate them and how we go about channeling our thoughts to fit the politically correct mold. Um, And also, it's 
it's become a great barrier to great communication. It's banned books from our, our libraries, banned books from the curriculum being taught at schools because we don't agree with, with what content perhaps they cover. So that's just a little bit of what the article is about. It's addressing how it's affected the universities, um, our language, and our literature. You know, I, it's not fair what I did to you. I asked our, uh, our producer to uh, ask you if you could maybe edit it a little bit, and that was about an hour before we went on the air, and that's not fair. Because uh, yeah, and I, it's, it's just a wonderful, wonderfully written piece. Would you read us that paragraph that uh, starts with not only have the students in our education institutions lost the, uh, felt the winds of suppression, would you just read us that as you wrote it without any editing? So not only have the students or educational institutions felt the winds of suppression from political correctness, but the teachers have especially. This perhaps is the most detrimental to our ed- educational advance as a society. Professors fill every day the fatal breath of the beast of political correctness. In fear of losing their position or good standing in the institution's eyes, professors often avoid certain topics or completely delete from their curriculum valid facts which, although perhaps uncomfortable, are crucial to the advancement of learning. Um, For example, perhaps in a literature class, the professor decides not to examine an excerpt from Tom Sawyer because of the potential controversy which might arise. Thus, students miss out on one of the great classic works in American literature. Also, in the pursuit of teaching from a purely objective standpoint, Students are bereaved of the opportunity to glean from the personal experience and knowledge of a highly intellectual and learned professor. Political correctness has already banished from our libraries and classrooms some of the greatest works in literature. As one of the abominations of our day, and there are many, is the beast of political correctness that has been turned loose on the world. I, I, I just love it. I just want to read the last sentences there of your column. Political correctness has become a great barrier to great communication in mm-hmm. our attempts as a culture to become more progressive and inclusive. We blindly, under the leadership of political correctness, have, through cor- the coercion of communication and expression, become a more close-minded and unfair society. If we wish to advance as a civilization, we must reopen the markers, uh, the market of ideas, and then will advances be made, advances in learning and uh, harmony amongst our compa- companions. That is so well written. Uh, unfortunately, this printer is gives me like a one font, and my eyes can't, <laughs> can't read that anymore. But but it's just beautifully, beautifully written. I want to let, let our listeners know if you go to writeoutlook.org, writeoutlook.org, and then you uh, you can find political correctness. Um, by Lily Coleman, or you can just Google it, which I also did. Lily Coleman, that's L-I-L-L-Y-C-O-L-E-M-A-N, Lily Coleman, and uh, political correctness. Uh, What do you you want to do with your life? Do you have any idea where you want to go, what uh, what you're going to do professionally? Um, I'm interested in going into law, maybe, or journalism. So this is kind of... kind of paralleled with what I'm interested in pursuing as my career in the future. Well, I wish you all the very best, Lily, and uh, please keep on writing. Thank you so much. Take good care. You too. Lily Coleman. It's really an excellently written column, and I, it wasn't fair because we asked Lily uh, just an hour, about an hour ago, if she could um, edit it a bit because we just didn't have all the time to hear it all, but, uh, and, and that's hard to do, edit your own stuff.
when you've got little time. But you'll enjoy reading it. When we come back, it is the tweets that have been repeated again and again, and they have to do with carbon tax. And so I think to set it all up, we will revisit a conversation we had with the former Premier of Saskatchewan, Brad Wall.